The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Gilderland Public Library, its staff, or board of directors. Hello, and welcome to the May episode of How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Public Library. Uh, let's see. Just time for a quick update, and then we will get on with the rest of our show. As you are probably aware, we are back into a high infection rate for COVID. Uh, I know personally, I know many people who have gotten sick for the first time in this pandemic in the last couple of weeks. And so all programming is virtual again. Please check our calendar for updates and events. We um, hope to be able to go back to in-person programming soon, but we're going to wait until infection rates are down again. We do have story times on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in May, and we have several programs going on. Please check our calendar for updates. And also, the high school art show exhibit is currently happening in the Heldeberg room and in our display cases, so please come in to check out the art from the high school. All right, so we have an interview with our newest librarian today. We also have an update with Christina. And we'll finish with a book review. So let's get started. Welcome back to How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Public Library. We're here now with our newest librarian, Jill Tomanowski. Hi, Jill. Uh, let's see, you started in February, right? Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Welcome to the Thank show you. and welcome to the library. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to have a nice casual conversation. Okay. We're just going to get to know you a little bit so our listeners know who you are okay. uh, so when they see your name tag they're like I know you <laughs> that sounds good Jill's a little hesitant to be on the show so we're going to be real kind to her today <laughs> I just get nervous when I'm recorded <laughs> yeah that's fine okay. like I have I tell everybody we can always delete stuff okay all right so Jill why um how did you come to be a librarian Kind of a long story, but um, I started out at, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in 2001 uh, from the University of Rochester in museum studies. Uh, the intent was that I was going to be either a collections manager or a registrar for a museum. I kind of fell into museum work after I graduated, uh, science centers, uh, art museums, orchestras, all sorts of different non I was at and um, basically fell into marketing positions for all of those organizations. And all the while, my husband was working through his master's program, his PhD. And then we ended up moving to Washington State in 2011 and uh, for my husband's job, an academic position. Um, so we were there for a little while and um, we moved back to New York in 2013. And I was like, okay, something's got to give. I don't want to do marketing anymore. I want to go back to what I planned on doing. Researched a lot of museum studies, master's programs, was looking at archival programs, wasn't really sure what to do. My health kind of turned left turn, sharp left turn there for a little bit. So I ended up going back to school in 2018. And I chose uh, SUNY Albany because of the history of the library school and that they had a really strong archives program. So I, I did the archives program, library and archives, but archives specialization, <laughs> and graduated in air quotes 
in 2020 because I didn't walk. Uh, there was no graduation ceremony. Yeah, so it was a strange time to graduate. Um, I had a position that was offered to me in March of 2020 that was subsequently taken away um, because of a hiring freeze. Um, fell into some random positions, but relatively re kind of related to uh, libraries and really liked the people I worked with. My latest position was at Connect New York, which was a library consortia throughout New York State. A lot of private universities are part of that consortia. Vassar, uh, Madai in Buffalo, Canisius, you know, all different schools. And I, I just really liked the people I worked with and they were all librarians and it was like, oh, there's this other half of my my degree, you know? <laughs> um, so I was applying to archives positions and librarian positions. I was looking for full-time work in a pandemic. And yeah, it just kind of happened that this worked out. And um, it was a surprise to me that the position was actually not just, not just librarian, but also had a component of local history, which um, really lent itself to what my interests are. So it was a good fit. Yeah, that was sort of a perfect moment, right? Yes. Where we were looking for something that you had a specific skill and interest in. So, so I guess that brings us to our, my next question. Okay. So what are you currently working on at the library? What are your current <laughs> projects? Well, I can at least say what I, what I worked on very diligently to finish before May 1st. May is local history month. So I wanted to make sure that the local history room was at least accessible and had collections processed for people for that exciting month. So I went through uh, the Gilderland Library has about 15 collections that were unprocessed. What that means is they were just papers and folders with no real arrangement or description, no way to find, uh, no way for them to be discoverable by anybody. So they literally existed in boxes in on shelves behind doors. So I went through, I processed many different collections. There's a photograph collection of many photographs of the area, Gilderland, Altamont, McCownville. There's uh, the Goodfellow postcard collection is in there. There are about 50, no more than that, 75 years worth of history of Gilderland Library in there, including blueprints. There are, there's a small map collection, the Altamont Enterprise and the Spotlight uh, newspapers are now kind of accessible. Um, so yeah, so it's a, there, there's a lot of different, I'm missing a couple collections there, but there are a lot of collections. They all have finding aids. Um, so if you're looking for something very specific, you can find it. Um, those will be going up on the website shortly in the local history section of the website. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what I was working on for the opening of May for May 1st. Um, the hiccup in all that is, um, we are still waiting on a desk yeah. for the local history room <laughs> and without a desk, there's no computer and without a desk, there's no microfilm reader. So, um, I know that that is a huge issue for people who want to do research in that room. <laughs> so until we get that furniture, we're hoping it's soon. It's, you know, books and collections at this point. Um, and then I will definitely scream it from the hilltops when we have, <laughs> when we have a computer and microfilm available. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just for listeners at home, before the, um, the construction project, our local history space was basically a closet. And it was a named closet. It was a very large closet, but it was literally a closet. 
and so you needed special help you you needed a the librarian to let you in there and basically get you anything you were looking for uh and uh, like jill said there were no finding aids for a lot of these things so you kind of we're relying on the librarian knowing what we had and finding you the things you needed, which is nice. It's a nice personalized service, but um, it meant you you couldn't do the research on your own. So it was a very, uh, that's how libraries used to be. Everything was, you said what you wanted to know and the librarian handed you things and that was all you got. Uh, but now, but then when Jill started, we had this new local history room that still didn't have furniture in it or it had some furniture, but not the right shelves and cabinets and also these collections that were completely you know at the librarian's discretion so she did a lot of work and was lucky enough that some furniture came in and while we're still waiting on things some furniture came in so that more of it could be not just um, handled by jill and organized and made library finding aids but also is in a cabinet or on a shelf so that you could actually see it and know where it's supposed to go and know how to find it <laughs> on the shelf <laughs> so <laughs> well we're very happy to have a local history room and someone who knows where the things are and someone who can make finding aids so everyone can find the things it's great <laughs> yeah and i'm trying to flesh out the collection a little bit i've, I've purchased about um eight to 10 books um, since I started to kind of get some newer material in there, newer or older, um, <laughs> just different, I should say, material in there. Um, so yeah, it's it's still a work in progress, but uh, please, please, please come in and actually uh, check it out. The Greg collection is in there and you can actually see it. It's beautiful behind glass doors and anybody can let you in to see any of that. There's really no rule about the room, except please no food and drink. Um, <laughs> we actually have some pretty rare books in there and we don't need bugs and critters and mold to happen in there. Um, so yeah, so that's that's basically it. But other than that, please, you know, come in. It's a great space. It's very welcoming. And um, yeah, it is a nice space and it is a space while there isn't a, a desk with the computer and the microfilm reader, there are tables and chairs. So you Correct. could take out... Um, resource and you know make notes and sit and read it and look through for what you're looking Correct. for Correct. um so there's a lot more usability to that room since jill has been here than there was before that even if we are still missing some furniture yes. <laughs> definitely <laughs> um have you been working uh, that that was a lot of work I will recognize what else, have you been working on anything else you want to tell us about um i I'm starting to work on some programming. It's difficult. Uh, I appreciate that, you know, in-person programming is kind of up in the air. Um, so I'm working on some virtual programming to kind of garner some interest in the local history. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm actually not from the area. I'm from Philadelphia. So <laughs> while I'm a local history librarian, I'm, I'm learning just as much as people are when they come in that space. I'm, there's a gentleman who did a, recent presentation on um, the Country Club Highlands area of McCownville. They just got um, historical. Oh, yes. Very nice. I love they're those. On the, they're on the <laughs> for historical places now, I believe. Oh, nice. Um, they It took some time because they had some people who didn't want to do it. But now I think all but eight houses in the area are going to be included in that. And um, it was just fascinating talk. And I feel like it's important to know the history of the space, 
There's some Sears homes in there, which people are interested in. I just think it's fascinating. So I'm going to try to get him to do a, a talk for us. There's uh, another woman who I believe was scheduled to do a presentation in 2020 on uh, the Pine Hills area. Um, and I'd like to get her in. So I'm trying to, to gather some presentations on just local towns and local uh, neighborhoods to kind of, I don't know, <laughs> get, get people more interested in their space again, because we've all been in our homes for so long. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, something simple, even um, not simple, but like the study rooms are all named after the hamlets of the town. But I don't think people really know, people don't necessarily know where those are right. or where those names came from. Like, why right. is that the Fuller's area or why is that the McCownville? And right. even just simple things like that could be interesting. We're working on, um, there's a, a, a team of us. Um, I guess we're calling ourselves the Enhancement Committee um, uh, that are working with the Gilderland Historical Society to get some images uh, of those specific towns and places. So, you know, Fort Hunter was one of the branches of the first branch of the library. So to get a picture of that would be kind of interesting or yeah. So we're just trying to figure out a, a large scale format photograph with some interpretation of what the image is, but also why the town is important, why that hamlet is important. Yeah, so we're working on that. It's, nice. it's definitely <laughs> in our sights. Nice. I didn't even know that. That's great. So you're not from the area. Do you plan to stay in the area or um, that's, don't know? Unknown. I think, I think yes. <laughs> Um, the, I, I say that my husband um, is a professor at SUNY Cobleskill. He's tenured. Um, so once you kind of hit that point, you don't really jump. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I think we're, you know, we're here yeah. uh, for a little while at least. And yeah, we, I'm actually, we're in uh, Schenectady um, so that he has a kind of a little bit of a commute, but I have, you know, a pretty good one. So, so yeah, so it's, we like it here. We have friends here. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess you've been in the area for a little while now. Um, we moved here in the summer of 2013. Oh, wow. So yeah. Al nine, almost nine years. Yeah. So nice. it's gone very quickly, though. <laughs> <laughs> Even with pandemics and school and everything else. <laughs> There's always something. Well, that sounds great. So what are you currently uh, enjoying about working at the Gilderland Library? There's a few things that uh, resonate with me. Um, when I come home from work and my husband asks me how my day was, there are certain things that I tend to repeat a lot. And, I, and it's not a bad thing. It's a really great thing. We're, I'm noticing that I, we have regulars and they're saying hi, Jill, to me. And I recognize their name and get them all situated on a computer or a study room or know that they need to, to finish their work on the copier. So it's like, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm quickly making relationships with regulars. Um, and I think that that's nice. I, I wasn't expecting anything like that. I don't know why. I just wasn't expecting anything like that. And it's, it's been a nice addition to the job. The people I work with are, are great, which is nice, you know, good, good relationships, good people. Everybody steps in if there's an, you know, an issue or whatever. Yeah, just very supportive of my endeavors. I'm, I'm actually working on uh, 
almost finished with an information literacy course that's being offered by the Brooklyn Public Library through the Institute of Museum and Library Services. It's a 12 credit uh, course, which is very intense. And there will be a final component that will be publicly available on our website for a little bit. I'm doing a, a lesson on how to use primary resources in the library. And I just think that that's, you know, the fact that uh, our supervisors supported um, me in, in the, to want to do this program and then be like, of course, you know, put it wherever you need to put it. And yeah, so that's, that's really, you know, that's, that's using my time differently than, um, you know, they would expect. And it was totally supported. So that was really nice. It's, it's been (laughs) a short tenure so far, but yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a learning process for me because um, I was working remotely for two years so to work by yourself in your home all day and then all of a sudden be sharing an office with 15 people is a completely different <laughs> ball of wax. So yeah, it's, it's taken time, but I, you know, it's been good. It's been really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone had to recently make that transition. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It was very difficult. Like I felt like I couldn't see straight or something. I yeah. was like, I don't know what's happening. I hear people all over me and like all around me and the phone keeps ringing and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it literally took like, it took maybe three weeks for me to be like, to just settle. Yeah. Um, I felt like my nerves were like on fire. Um, it was just so much stimulus of, of just so many like people needing things, people, you know, asking things, phones ringing, um, talking. So yeah, it was just very, it was very, very different, but now it's like, it's just the vibrancy of the space. So it's fine. <laughs> you just kind of are, are alarmed by it when it's, when you have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were working still in teams. I think when we moved back into the office, so mm. the PPS office that, you know, now, when that was finished, we were still working in teams. So when we first moved into our desks, there were only like three other people in that giant space. So that was, that made it easier, right? So when you were at work, there were only a couple of people and you could barely see or hear them. (laughs) But then that first day when we were all back and not in teams, it was just baffling. There were just so many people. Yeah. (laughs) You literally hadn't been around that many people. Right. In years. Yes. Years. Yes. It's a very, uh-huh. very strange yeah. couple of weeks there. <laughs> I, kept, I kept telling people, um, like, oh, how you doing? How's it going? I'm like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what you is know? this question in person? I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's not just, you know, oh, by the way, I'm learning all these new skills. I, you know, it's also, oh, and there's all these people around me. Um, and that's, that's definitely something to, you know, get used to. And that's it is. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think we've, you've made the transition well. Thank you. I'm trying. A little yeah. bit every day. That's, yeah. that's how it works for everybody. Definitely. Is there anything else you'd like people to know about you, Jill? We've oh, gone okay. through all my questions. I'm there, you know, if you have questions about any kind of local history questions or genealogy, um, I don't have a specialization in genealogy, but we do have 
the second Wednesday of every month, we have Lisa Doherty coming in doing either drop-ins when we are doing in-person or appointments when uh, right now we're doing appointments. So yeah, so she's doing that, which is good. Um, and then I think she also does consultations uh, virtually as well. So that's always there. Check the events calendar for that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else <laughs> going on. Um, pop in. I, you know, no, I'm not housed in the local history room. I'm just around it. So if you, you know, just find me. <laughs> the local history room is mostly accessible when you're in the library. Yeah. And so we're, we're trying to do, it's just like a, a pi pilot, I guess you would call it. We're trying to figure out what works best for people. So right now, um, until probably through summer, just to see, to gauge the user experience and just users in general, it's open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 10 until four. And then Wednesdays, it's open one to five. Um, and then by appointment, you can contact me at localhistory at gilderlandlibrary.org and I can uh, set you up for a different, you know, different time if those don't suit you. But yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to see. It just makes, makes it a little easier that if, if people have questions that I'm there, it just makes things easier. Well, yeah, people I mean, haven't had access to it before. So right. while they may have been to other libraries, it makes sense to have right. and somebody who knows. Right. And I think it, I'm also trying to alleviate some pressure on anybody else that we work with, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's other librarians doing other things, I don't need them to all of a sudden drop something because there's a local history question. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's just, I'm just trying to situate myself so that it makes things easier for everybody involved. So if it doesn't work that way, that's fine. We're just <laughs> kind of trying it to see how it fits. Yeah. You probably should try to schedule a time to give a tour to staff, though, so they can, the department, so they okay. at least know what What's is where. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That works. Not involved. Not, you know. No. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just open cabinets and point. <laughs> right. That's there. That's over yeah. there. <laughs> but no, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty self-sufficient, I guess you could say, um, you know, but I'm there if there's questions and if people yeah. need you know, to know what's what. But yeah, the, the cabinets, um, some of the spaces, not some of the spaces, some of the materials are also in the McCownville room. We just needed to kind of situate things a little differently. So if you're looking for the Schenectady, Voorheesville, Army Depot dump site reports, those are all in McCownville. Um, the Marcy Road, Scotland Road reports are in, Mar in McCownville. Um, and then all the town directories are in McCountainville, just to kind of open up some space. Those are all big volumes and they take up a lot of space when you're looking at them. So it's yeah. a bigger room with bigger table. It's just yeah. easier. So. That makes sense. Yeah, those are giant books. If you remember yeah. an old phone book, they're bigger than the phone book and hardcover and Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's better <laughs> to have more space to open them up and, you know, peruse. Yeah. So <sighs> Yeah. Well that sounds great, Jill. Thanks for coming on. Even though you were nervous. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. I, I, <laughs> I hope I don't sound too ridiculous. <laughs> you definitely don't. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I yeah. Thanks for coming on. Welcome back. Now it's time for learning stuff with Christina. Hi, Christina. Hey. <laughs> what are we learning about today? 
Today we're going to learn about the differences between Hoopla and Libby. Oh, that's good. I know people have a hard time keeping those straight. So yeah. that'll be excellent. You can do great things in both apps. And so we're going to talk about what makes them similar, what makes them both great apps, and then what makes them a little bit different and uh, makes each unique. Fantastic. It's so hard because like people come in and they are like, oh, I want to get... I, can I, is it possible to download an audiobook right onto my phone? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. And that concept is so new to them. And perhaps you walk them through downloading one app and you're kind of like, do I really want, like, do they want to try to do a second app just to have mm -hmm. access to more stuff? And it's sort of like, probably not. Right. Right. And so I don't know. At that point it gets hard because you're like, when people ask me, can I download an audiobook onto my phone? I say, probably. What kind of phone do you, do you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you have to check that. But a lot of the times, they're like waving their phone. And no, you can I should be say, like, yeah, I should obviously. Say, yes, of course. But instead, I'm like, likely we can accomplish this together. Oh, you're so cautious. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I try to mitigate expectations. Yeah. Um, the answer is almost always yes. Yeah. Often you can tell the level of like user comfort by the way they ask. Uh-huh. Which is always kind of amazing. Cause like, you know, someone comes up and they're waving their phone at you and they're like, is, can I download books right onto this? You can kind of tell, even by the way they say that, whether like, oh yeah, there's an app, go to the app store and do this, or... Mm -hmm. Hand me your phone and I'll download the app for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. You can tell a lot about the, the yeah. ask that comes through. Yeah. Yesterday I had a new one though. I had, mm -hmm. um, and I, it was a great challenge. I had a lady who said, can I get my eBooks onto my Kindle? And she held up a device in a case and, you know, it looked like a Kindle Paperwhite. And I was like, yes, of course. And I'm like, what have you done so far? What, you know, what are you used to doing? Are we starting from scratch? And then I, a lot of the way through the process and she opens it up and it's a Kobo, not a, uh, not a Kindle. Uh-oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I've never, I've never had to use Libby to Kobo before. And, um, wow. you, unfortunately you have to do the Nook thing, the Adobe digital editions Nook thing, though Kobo. Mm -hmm. has built into it and if you go to the shop tab mm -hmm. on your Kobo and this is a black and white thing actually really more responsive than I've, I've seen a Kindle or a black and white Nook be it, it was mm -hmm. um it seemed pretty smooth despite having like limited functionality I guess yeah uh in the shop function if you hit the drop down arrow overdrive is one of the options and it lets <gasps> you hook up to your library oh cool but I don't know is that what working that now? means for, well, she said that she used to do it all the time and now like this other book didn't work mm -hmm. and uh, I couldn't tell if it was because as we've discussed before, Overdrive is discontinuing the Overdrive app um, yeah. and switching to the Libby app or if it was also the factor that she for the first time like opened this particular book also on her iPad and then her oh. Kobo didn't want to open mm -hmm. it and I was like, let's go with that. Let's go with it's that you opened it in the iPad and it's um, unhappy. But then if you're having troubles in the future, I printed out the how to get from Libby to Kobo instructions. 
but I couldn't believe that Kobo had a built a built-in drop down like overdrive. Yeah. I remember like I haven't seen a Kobo in a long time. But at one point um I was doing a lot of like e-reader tutorials with whatever people had and I remember seeing Kobos and being like these are actually really good. Like they really are the best of the readers like the same way that like nooks really were better than kindle except for getting the books from overdrive onto it mm-hmm. like nooks were just nicer devices that were better mm-hmm. built for reading and the kobos were even better still mm-hmm. but like it's They're so not much na- harder they don't have the name brand behind right. them they don't yeah so they don't work with everything yep so it was a really cool device but um but she did call it a Kindle. And I think, you know, the sort of thing we were talking about, she thought it was like a transferable term, like, oh, it's just a thing that I read on that's yeah. black and white. And I was like, no. Sorry. It's your e-reader. It's not your Kindle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, my bad. I was like, I was like, oh, I thought you said Kindle. She's like, I did. My bad. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's Kobo. <laughs> So she seemed pretty confident with it. I was like, just keep trying your thing. Let's say that it's because it opened on the iPad and, yeah, you know, you could try to get it back on the on the thing. And if that ever stops working, here are the instructions to pick out stuff on Libby and then transfer it. Yeah. Which seems so, which would be so inconvenient because right now the overdrive functionality is built into the Kobo. So hopefully that won't happen. Yeah. Like they can just make it point to the other thing instead yeah. of... <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. So we're well-versed in Libby at this point. We've done the whole <laughs> Libby uh, OverDrive app phasing out, OverDrive <laughs> website still around. Libby app is the new thing. Yep. Don't listen to the part where we just said that the Libby, hopefully Kobo won't make you use the Libby app because Libby's great otherwise. <laughs> but I didn't know any of the people out there had the Kobo. But we haven't talked about Hoopla in a while and the difference between betwixt the two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, we have talked a lot about Libby lately and we have not talked that much about Hoopla lately. And I think the last few times we've really talked about Hoopla, we were talking a lot about like the video and movies on Hoopla. But But Hoopla Hoopla has so much stuff. Has so much stuff. It has so much more. We're diving into it. So we've, yes, we haven't talked about Hoopla lately. Hoopla has a, I think we've focused on Hoopla because it's got the video stuff and Libby not as much, so much. But the people were asking, the people were asking, what is the difference between Libby and Hoopla? And uh, we're going to tell you. <laughs> There's actually a lot of similarities. I would say the, the biggest difference is maybe with the way that they, they work. But maybe we should cover what's similar between them first. Is that easier? Probably easier. Yes. What can you do in both? So in both, you can do, you can get eBooks and you can read them on a device or your computer. You could do audiobooks and listen to them on your smartphone or a device or your computer. You can um, do magazines on both, Uh, get some, some sweet, sweet magazines and Technically, you could do video on both. Hoopla has a bunch of TV shows and movies built into it. Um, Libby hooks you up with your Gilderland Library card to Canopy. So same company, 
just a you have to jump over to a different site but that also has um a ton of tv shows and movies and we've talked about canopy before on the podcast too so if you want to know more about Hoopla video or Canopy videos, go back to our episodes on those things. We won't really focus necessarily on that specifically today, but you could do a lot of stuff between both of these apps and um, there isn't necessarily, you know, so there's some overlap, but not all the time. Sometimes you find stuff on one that's not on the other. And those are, uh, those are the similarities between Libby and Hoopla. Yeah. So basically we have two e-libraries or uh, libraries of downloadable materials, right? Mm -hmm. I always mm -hmm. forget there's magazines on Hoopla, which... Um, it's kind of newer, like, yeah. I think. It's called yeah. the, the Binge Pass, and you can, get, oh, yeah. you can like, get a bunch of stuff with the Binge Pass. But they both have the ability to check out items and download them to listen to or watch or read later. One of the major differences that we can start with that's pretty easy is that Hoopla has, well, this isn't even quite true either. I was going to say Hoopla has comics and Overdrive kind of does not have comics. I mean, the Libby has graphic novels, but yeah, I think Hoopla has more like the issue by issue comics, right? Hoopla is known for having comics and... Um, Libby in the Libby and Overdrive and the Overdrive website, the Libby app, the comics are, um, it's just kind of a page. It's not interactive. Uh, mm -hmm. and by interactive, I don't mean like the comics move and stuff, but you just kind of see a page in front of you and all the panels. And that could be kind of hard to suss out on your tablet or your screen, but in Hoopla, the comics are, the panels, they like zoom in and out and you can also magnify things. So if you go to a full page view, there's a little magnifier that you can use on, at least on the web version of Hoopla on the website where you can kind of blow up the text. And then you can also kind of zoom in and it will go from panel to panel and jump around on the page so you can see it really close up. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of built better for dealing with comics yeah, like well, when you're really have. talking about like a comic book, um, like I'm right now downloading volume one of Moon Knight. Ooh. Um, because, you know, there's the new Moon Knight, Moon Knight show on mm -hmm. Disney Plus. And so I thought I'd see. But, you know, comic books have, you know, the artists take a lot of time with each line and the panels and the boxes. And it's really built for you to be able to look at and zoom, you know, move it around. And yeah, Hoopla makes it easy for you to zoom in and you can see the lines and the, the small words and, you know, the little details that the artists are putting in on those comic books. Yeah, I would say the, it's built for viewing comics, whereas Libby just lets you see them, I guess. <laughs> but you could technically do it in both, but it's better to do it in Hoopla. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our first kind of small difference. The, I would say the biggest difference is that, is in the way that you borrow items from each service. So Hoopla, we'll start with, I think this concept, because it's a little easier to understand. Hoopla has no weight for any of the content on Hoopla. You don't have to get in a line behind other patrons. 
everything that you see, you can borrow immediately. You know, I'm looking at like the Hamilton Broadway cast album here. Um, Let's say, let's go back a couple of years. Hamilton has just come out. Everyone's talking about it. You go over to Hoopla, you see the album is there. You're like, oh no, going to have to wait behind all these people who want to listen to Hamilton. Nuh-uh, Hoopla has no (laughs) wait list. So (laughs) anything you see in Hoopla, you don't have to wait for. Another good example, I see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone here on audiobook. Our copy, I tell people this all the time, our copies of all the Harry Potter on audio and even the books are almost always like checked out. People are still reading it. So you might come to the library and say like, oh, your audiobook of Sorcerer's Stone, it's checked out. You can go over to Hoopla and a copy will always be available to you. Mm-hmm. So conversely in Libby, we, well, let me go back to Hoopla for a sec. So Hoopla, <laughs> if you think of Hoopla like Netflix at home or Hulu or HBO Max, where you subscribe, or Disney Plus, where you subscribe, and it's on your TV, and it just has a bunch of stuff inside it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't go to Netflix and then say, hey, Netflix, I want you to have um, the newest Doctor Strange movie on Netflix. It just comes with it, or it doesn't. And things come to Netflix, and they leave Netflix all the time. So you subscribe, it has a bunch of stuff, you know, hundreds, thousands of TV shows and movies, and you pick from that. So that's Hoopla. It's all mm-hmm. available immediately. It comes with uh, a bunch of stuff. Yep. The library it has what it has. It has what it has. The library didn't pick out the stuff. It has mm-hmm. what it has. It has good stuff, but it has what it has. Libby, you do have to wait for most of the material on Libby, but we, us librarians, have picked it out. So we are choosing what goes into Libby and it's based on um, popularity, demand. We're increasingly trying to buy more diverse content for Libby, Um, even more age groups where we used to have a lot of adult material and now we're trying to buy more for YA and J and it's been successful. Our our kids checkouts have gone up a lot in the last couple years, um, especially with our partnership with the schools. So, Libby is picked out by the librarians at the Gilderland yeah. Library and across the Upper Hudson Library system. Yeah, it may be worth pointing out that um, a lot of kids in schools are using Sora mm-hmm. to download ebooks, which is a way for them to get books from their school library. But Sora is a, another app that is by Overdrive. So, yep. just like Sora is for schools, as Libby is to public libraries. So your kids already know how to use Libby if they're using Sora at school. Yep. It's just a matter of using their public library library card instead of their school ID. We do have a um, like a reciprocal agreement where you can access, I think we've signed on with um, the Gilderland Central School District where kids can use their, their school ID to get into our Libby collection. So you start in the, I think you're doing it all within the Sora app or it's jumping you over to Libby, but the kids are going in through Sora as they always would. And then I think there's a way to toggle over uh, without having to necessarily have a GPL library card, but it's been very successful. We went from uh, in the first, I want to say the first year we did it, we had like 30 kids checkouts. And then by the second year, we had 1,300 checkouts. <laughs> so us buying, you know, more content for teens yeah. and for children, they're definitely yep. finding it and using it. Yeah. 
and I mean, downloading that. books has become, I mean, just in the last few years, you know, kids using the downloadable books to get books is just a thing they do, they do now. It's not a like, hey, did you know you could do that? Or as a last resort, you could do that. They just do it. Like, I was like, what are you doing on your computer? And the kid was like, reading a book. <laughs> they had gone into Sora and downloaded a book and they were mm -hmm. reading it. I was like, oh, okay. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I didn't even have to drive you anywhere. Great. Yeah. So Libby, you do have to wait for some stuff mm -hmm. um, because we've picked it out and we've kind of curated it. So it's a, it's a little bit different that way, um, but a more customized collection. So in Libby and, and the Overdrive website, you can... Um, you get 7, 14, or 21-day checkout for all your materials you can pick. No overdues, no renewals. That's another thing. Between both apps, you'll never have late fees. Um, you won't be able to. That's hmm. not true. No renewals. That's not true. You can renew in Libby. You didn't say no renewals. You said no overdues. I said both. Rewind. <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm reading it from our website. Uh, I mean, Libby renewals are a little weird, although they've gotten less weird lately. Libby renewals used to be if you had the item checked out, you could just request it again. And they've made it a little more like a normal renewal. I, I can't even explain how it was weird anymore. But basically now if you have it checked out, you can request it again and if there's no one waiting, you can renew it. Or they'll Correct. add you to the list. And after somebody else has it, you'll get it back. And what's great about those ebooks is that, you know, if you got halfway through the book and your time expired and they, they took it out, they took it away from you to give to the next patron, when you get it again, if you request it again, it'll still remember where you left off. Your mm -hmm. bookmark is still in there. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love that. It's like... <laughs> You couldn't get that kind of service from a physical book in the library. Not to right. encourage people to do this more and not come see us, but, you know, if you couldn't finish the book and you put the bookmark in and then return it through our automatic sorting machine in the library uh, yeah. and the circulation department gets a hold of it, they're going to rip your bookmark out. Yep. They're going to have to give it to the next person. Yeah. But and Libby, even if they don't take it out, the next person might take it out because it's yeah. in the way of them bookmarking their page. That's right. But Libby keeps your bookmark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it'll do that with audiobooks or ebooks. Like either way, it'll remember where you left off. Pick you Love right back up. Love that feature. Yes. Yep. With both platforms, you get ten checkouts per month. Or excuse me, the way that Libby works is more like ten <laughs> checkouts at a time. Yep. So. I can, you know, go in, it's the second week of May, right? I could go in and I could borrow 10 things. As long as I return a couple of them, I could get more up to, you know, a limit of 10. With Hoopla, it's per month. It resets on the first day of the month. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I Hoopla, I get two things this week. I then can get eight things um, the next two and a half weeks of May. But once I hit May 31st, I think at midnight, changing over to June 1st, Oh man, it's going to be June 1st. Um, <laughs> I get my 10 checkouts back. So 10 is the magic number for both, but Libby is at a time and Hoopla is per month. Yep. And the checkouts reset at the end of the month, but not your loans don't reset. It's not like if I check something out on 
if I checked something out on April 30th, I still get 20 days with it. It yes. doesn't go back on May 1st because it's a new month. I just, my borrows renew, not my items. Correct. You got it. One of the other differences <laughs> between Hoopla and Libby, one of the other differences between Hoopla and Libby is that you can get the Hoopla app on your Apple devices, your Android devices, and your Kindle. As we talked about at length in our, you know, Overdrive is phasing out Overdrive for Libby episode, you can get Libby on an Android and Apple. You can't get the app on Kindle, but on a Kindle Fire, you can visit libbyapp.com to use your website just like it's the Libby app. So that's mm -hmm. another little difference there is you can't get the, uh, you can just get the Hoopla app on a Kindle. You can't get the Libby app on a Kindle. Now you can get your Hoopla app on like your Roku, right? You sure can. You can or get Hoopla Apple on Apple TV, Roku, probably other smart TVs as long as you yeah. can download, uh, you can add services to it. Now, could you free. actually read books on it, or is it just for the video? Like, does it filter out what you can search for? It does. I've got it on my Roku, and it just shows you the TV show and movie options. But that's, a, I mean, people don't necessarily want to watch on their phones or their iPads, so that's a yeah. great way to use Hoopla is put the app on your TV. Yeah, no, it is great. I um, I borrowed an Apple TV from the library and downloaded the Hoopla app onto it, and I was watching this stuff, and I was like, this is great. Yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah but. we still have at the library we still have roku's apple tvs uh, we talked about this in our their holiday episode <laughs> holiday gift guide episode yep. roku's and apple tvs for you to sort of try before you buy or take yeah. on vacation we have them at the library you could put the you know it used to be like oh you could try it out but you need like a netflix login uh -uh, you could put the hoopla app and the canopy app on yeah. uh, both of those devices right. and you can take it on vacation and watch things for free. Someone was asking me about Fire Sticks versus Roku the other day. Oh, we have those too. We have also <laughs> the Fire Stick. <laughs> um, but they were asking me hard questions like, which one came out first? And I was like, uh, well, I think Roku came out first. But, I thought so. I thought um, Roku did. And that is what I, I Googled it too. But I was like, I'm not sure what that means as far as like which one you would want to borrow, though, because borrow the devices both we and have see which aren't... one you like better. Right. <laughs> I tell, I kind of tell people like if you use Amazon a lot, maybe mm. you want the Fire Stick because it yeah. interfaces all through Amazon. But you know, if you're thinking about taking one home to like try Netflix, it doesn't really. You could do either one, mm -hmm. and you could you know, take the Roku home and sign up for Netflix and try it on the Roku. And if you're like, uh, I don't know, you could return the Roku, take out a Fire Stick and log in with the same Netflix account mm -hmm. to the other one and see yeah. how that works. Try before you buy. <sighs> yeah. So I'm glad they were interested. Did they, what did they end up doing? I'm not really sure because I answered all those questions and they said, okay, I'll try, I'll try one and then walked away from the library of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know. But uh. you know, I don't they also didn't like head right out the door. They just walked to wherever they were going. So That's good. Maybe they came back. <laughs> yeah. We like when you check out our library of things items. Check them out. Do yep. it. Yeah, try it. Try it. <laughs> I mean, I have lots of devices and computers and stuff at my house, and I still enjoyed bringing home the Apple TV to try. So, 
way back when we got um amazon alexas for people to try the echo dot like the first echo dot yeah they it was very exciting and i think like a lot of staff checked it out to try it and tell people about it we didn't they didn't become popular after a while though and i yeah i'm like i don't know i think now it's kind of complicated to try them out they like have to be hooked up to your amazon account and then you're like buying stuff and you could say like alexa add this to my shopping cart and i'm just like oh boy like you don't want somebody to take it home and then (laughs) forget to log out and buy something with somebody else's account yeah yeah that doesn't sound good what else do we need to tell the folks at home about hoopla and libby so though you though you don't really put the libby app uh, on your TV or, you know, you don't really watch movies through it. Again, in Libby, you will see that it hooks up to Canopy and that you can also put on a TV. So that's kind of a similarity difference. It's not Libby itself that you're doing, you know, right. Libby is still really for reading and listening to audiobooks. But again, same company. So they kind of have a little convenient link to remind you they own Canopy and um, you could put that on your TV. And that has mm-hmm. TV shows and movies. Did we do it? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I don't know the interaction between Kindle and Hoopla. If you have a Kindle tablet, you can get the Hoopla app right on it. But with a Kindle like Paperwhite, I don't do believe there's a way to, to do that. Do it. Because all of the reading happens inside the Hoopla app. And if you can't get the Hoopla app, I don't think you can read the books so they the help they offer is um android android basics android tv basics apple tv basics fire tv basics hoopla basics ios basics roku basics done doesn't say like Mm. kindle basics or anything okay there are no ads that's pretty cool i mean that's a similarity between canopy and hoopla is you'll never see ads i'm getting tired of all my hulu ads but I don't want to pay more for Hulu. I know. A lot of the content, you know, especially if you have a lot of streaming services, like you have Netflix and Hulu and you get Hoopla and you get Canopy, this might let you get rid of a couple or let's say there's something on Hulu and there's something on Hoopla or Canopy. You might be like, you know what? I have the ads version of Hulu. I'm actually going to watch it through the library with my 10 borrows this month and not have to deal with the ads. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, especially like if you were going to watch a TV series, even if you can only watch the first five episodes of the series without commercials or 10 episodes without commercials, and then switch over to Hulu to watch the rest with ads. <laughs> but at, at least, least you can, Yeah, you've yeah. done half of it without the ads. Right. Which is mm-hmm. nice. That is nice. I know. I try not to watch anything with ads anymore. We knew that the day where all the streaming services would be like, we too can add commercials would come. <laughs> that is true. All right. I think we've done it. I think so too. Did we say we wanted to talk about something briefly? Anyway, I was going to say we could maybe touch on our escape room, our virtual escape oh, room. Oh, yes. Let's give that a plug because that's very cool. Yes, so we've covered uh, everything you need to know about Hoopla and Libby. You yep. never need to know anything else other than what you heard today. <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. Yes. 
But if you, uh, we wanted to talk about something else that's really cool that um, some of our coworkers worked on, our virtual escape room. This was a program that we did back in, back around New Year's, where we had a bunch of people come on to Zoom and we had basically an escape room on the screen and you had to solve different puzzles. And we have now uploaded it to our website so that you can play it at home for free for uh, for a while. It will be there for a while. It's right on our homepage and the button says, so gilderlandlibrary.org, the button says play our escape room mm-hmm. and it will launch you automatically into Google Slides full screen presentation mode where um, it explains what you have to do and you just kind of click around and try to escape what is it? I believe the theme is like, it's a, it's Y2K, a Y2K bunker. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So if Y2K had happened and we had all been thrown into, you know, computer free life because of the Y2K bug, you've got to figure out how to solve it and get us back to the right timeline. Yes. <laughs> it's got um, video. It's got uh, music. It's got sound clips. It's got uh, everything. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It's, you know, um, Sweet retro vibes. Have to maybe like learn more about Y2K in the 90s, but <laughs> if you're around our age, you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll like it. <laughs> Sweet retro vibes. <laughs> so that's that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So check out uh, check out our virtual escape room. Do it. It's fun. It is fun. If lots of people check out that escape room, maybe we'll add other escape rooms to our website. Could be, could be. <laughs> I think there's a couple more coming up um, for the summer. I think they're planning something. And I don't recall if it's virtual or, you know, hopefully in person, but we can put it on the website if it's virtual. Mm-hmm. I think it is getting a lot of clicks. I remember Emily told us it's getting a lot of clicks. So cool. keep keep doing it. If you haven't done it yet, <laughs> check it out. Don't miss out. Well, thanks for coming in, Christina. Thanks for having me, as always. (laughs) Until next time. This month's New York Times Best of 2021 book review is How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mbouye. How Beautiful We Were is a sweeping epic (laughs) about a small African village It starts off in the 1980s, and the village children are getting sick because of the fictional American oil company, uh, Prexton. And the villagers decide to rise up and complain, and they, um, well, the story gets pretty good after that. (laughs) But it is a, like I said, it's a sweeping epic. So it starts in 1980, but time progresses. Uh, one of the, er, the main character is Tula, who is a young girl when the book begins, but she grows up in graduate school and college. And um, yeah, I don't want to give anything away. It's a fantastic book. Well, that's the end of this episode of How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Library. Thank you for listening. If you 
Uh, like the show, please rate it and review it wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, tell a friend. You know, rating and reviewing in your your podcast app helps friends you don't know find the show. You know, we want people to listen. <laughs> if you have ideas or suggestions or questions, please email us at podcast at gilderlandlibrary.org. Thank you for listening.